0: This is PhotoBizX episode number 483. And today we are talking with a Los Angeles based photographer who switched genres, now has more time, a better life, a more profitable business. And she is so much happier after switching from family to newborn photography. Our special guest is Ariel Cannon and that interview is coming up in just a minute.
1: Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich.
0: Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I think you're going to love the interview today with Ariel and of course, Like so many other episodes, it doesn't matter whether or not you are a family or a newborn photographer, Ariel shares a ton of things that I know will be relevant to you and your business. So that's coming up in just a minute. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Seishu, the main topic of conversation was prep school photography. I love the fact that this genre exists. I didn't really know about it, but Seishu has contracts with a couple of different prep schools where he's negotiated a retainer and has a consistent income throughout the year from these two schools. In addition to that, he's photographing headshots, but it's the prep schools that were the main focus of last week's episode. And the fact that we can, as photographers, create a consistent income from a couple of great photography clients like prep schools, universities, grammar schools, those institutions that need to advertise and attract new students every single year. So much more from Seishu in last week's episode. So get back and have a listen to that one if you haven't had a chance yet. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew dot photobizx.com. We're going to jump into this interview with Ariel in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Ariel. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what she shares in the first half of this interview and you'd like to hear the full interview, grab a $1 30 day trial for the premium membership. You can get more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest has been a PhotoBizX member since 2018. And we were recently exchanging some emails. And she told me, I've been listening to your podcast a lot lately. And I've noticed that many of the photographers you're interviewing have staggering profits $500,000 or more in turnover each year. I find these interviews inspiring, but also daunting. My business passed 100K in net profits in 2021, a huge jump for me without doing IPS or Facebook ads. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those approaches. And I'm on track for another six-figure year. I also learned she's about to start some marketing efforts with the goal of getting to 200K net profits within the next two years. So that conversation led me to asking her onto the show for this interview. Our special guest is Los Angeles based and focuses on maternity, newborn and family photography. She's been in business for almost 10 years. I'm talking about Ariel Cannon and I'm wrapped to have her with me now. Ariel, welcome. Thank you. Wow. So 2021 sounds like it was a massive year.
1: It was. It was a big change for me. I had been making... Gross number. So you call that turnover, right? Yes. Of 50,000, kind of limping along with that. And it was fine. You know, I've got little kids. So, or I had little kids and my husband was working and that was okay. I could grow my business that way. But it was starting to get a little tiring. And I made some changes and they kind of coincided with the pandemic. So 2020 was a bit of an odd year, I think, for everybody. And then 2021, I finally kind of got to where I really had hoped to be, to feel like I was, you know, succeeding in my business with some of the goals I had set for myself.
0: So up until 2020 or 2019, you know, you you said, uh, you know, you're sort of doing around 50,000 and was that making you happy or did you always see yourself as, you know, making 100, 150, 200,000?
1: It was not making me satisfied from a financial perspective. I had always envisioned something bigger than that, just because I think, you know, and probably a lot of listeners know that even if you're not shooting all the time, you're probably working on your business all the time. And I was doing a lot of hours, you know, I was working on it a lot and not Making enough money for all that labor. It was fulfilling because it was exciting and it's exciting to build your business. And, you know, I like the business part of it and the photography part of it. So it was fun, but it wasn't really a sustainable
0: model. Got it. So at that time, were you aware of the fact that you needed to be doing or creating more revenue? Or did you have someone point that out to you? Like, did you get to a point where you thought something's got to change?
1: Yeah, it was pretty internal at that point, I didn't have like a coach or anything like that. So you know, it's everybody else, podcasts, Facebook, whatever. I had been doing mostly family photography. At that point, that's what I started with. And I started right off the bat with IPS. And I was having great sales. So you know, I was making 2000 3000. Once I had a $15,000 sale, but I never had enough clients. I just never got to that point where I was bringing in enough sessions for it to really be great money. And I know that you can, I know IPS works really well. It never felt quite the right fit for me. Like I wasn't terrified to do it or anything. It just, it wasn't quite right. And it's hard in Los Angeles, everything's really far away. So, you know, driving to a client's house to do IPS or having them come to me, it was like time intensive. Mm-hmm.
0: So it wasn't your husband that sort of said, Ariel, like, what are you doing? You're spending 50, 60, 70 hours and you're making 50,000 or did that conversation come up?
1: No, I think he said a few times rather sheepishly you know, do you think you'll always have to work this many hours? (laughs) And I wasn't, I was not working 50 hours. You know, I was probably working 30 hours a week or whatever, but it was still, it was a lot of time, you know, $50,000 doesn't go very far in Los Angeles. And that wasn't net. That was my gross income. I think I wrote it down. So yeah, he was, you know, he wasn't pressuring me or anything. And we were in a position where he was making the money and I was With the kids. So it wasn't like I had quit some hugely lucrative job Mm -hmm. to do it. And now it's funny, the tables have turned a little bit. He's an actor and the pandemic really disrupted what he was doing. And so work's been really continues to be slow for him. And he has actually become my editor and retoucher.
0: (sighs) That's so so good. That's so good.
1: (laughs) He now works for me a few hours every day. And luckily, his past life was in computers and he's really good at it.
0: Awesome. So, what happened in 2019, 2020? Like, what was the big, uh, I guess that's when the changes happened and you saw the, the results in 2021?
1: Yeah. So, I think the main thing that changed for me was that I shifted my focus from families to newborn work. I was feeling really frustrated with the fact that family for me, family portraiture was very seasonal. So it was really crazy busy in the fall and just dead. Otherwise, there was no, like, time crunch other than that season for pre holiday, no urgency for people to get their photographs taken right now. And I think as a a high priced photographer doing IPS, that was even harder to bring those clients in year round. And, you know, I'm not saying like, there's other people who are so great at IPS and they're having, they're booked solid. And I totally get that. I was obviously not marketing that properly and not finding those people. And that is completely on me, but that was what kind of spurred me. And also I was doing these like custom sessions. So it would be, where do you want to shoot? What's this place that's important to you that I've never been to. And now I have to go scout it. And I have to like, be up making a shot list and worrying about it. And like, it was so exhausting. I was starting to get burned out. And so I was like, what can I do that's not seasonal, that has a little bit of urgency to it? Like there's a deadline and it's something that I can be replicating, doing the same thing, which I think for creatives, it's a little hard. Sometimes you feel like you're cheating when you get into that like factory mindset. But I was like, I need a little more of that. And so I had started when my son was born looking at newborn photography, and it was all super cheesy, no offense to people who put babies in baskets, I actually think it's really beautifully artistic (laughs) a lot of the time It's just is not my style. And there's a lot of really (laughs) over the top stuff out there. And actually, I started finding all these photographers in Australia. Who do this natural style and I don't know why they're all in Australia but they are and so I was really excited about that and kind of had that in the back of my mind
0: God okay let me just ask you about the family side of things because I thought in LA the weather was beautiful all year round so why do you to see or why all the bookings in fall
1: I think people want holiday photos they want to send out a, like a Christmas card or a New Year's card they want a gift the grandparents. And it also, in LA, it makes no sense because the fall is like the hottest, driest, brownest, scrubbiest time of year. You know, all the green stuff is brown. Spring is more beautiful, but people didn't seem to want to do it in the spring. Wow.
0: Okay. So, okay. So you have this, so is the idea born or do you, I mean, do you listen to a podcast or you see something online that gets you thinking about newborns?
1: Well, kind of had it in the back of my head since my son was born, right? Because I looked at it to hire somebody and I couldn't find anyone in LA that I felt really excited about. It was all more traditional at that point. And so I had found, you know, I would be like, oh, I love this photographer. Oh, they're in Australia. Oh, they're in Australia. Oh, they're in England. (laughs) So, you know, I ended up just taking photographs myself and I just never thought of myself as a newborn photographer. Like it took a little... I don't know. I just needed to percolate kind of in my brain. And I, I had that kind of just in my brain. I'd done some for a few friends and some relatives. So when I started thinking about like, what can I do? That's a little bit more consistent maternity and newborn was a really obvious choice for me.
0: Got it. So then tell me about that transition. Do you just stop advertising for families if that's what you were doing or do you start rebuilding the website? What's the first step in this success story?
1: The first step is that I did um I did some facebook ads <laughs> <laughs> I did you know like a now wasn't that, it was like a contest, right? and so I would give away a free session and I did um. I don't know how many I did. Maybe ten of those to really just get my newborn portfolio up to speed because I had done, had done you know several in the past, but it wasn't super consistent, and I hadn't been doing it with portfolio in mind. So I did that. I ran the the thing and upsold you know prints or whatever. But there was more. The point was the portfolio building, and then I'm actually like. <laughs> Your podcast has been such a good resource to me. A lot of the people who I've kind of, you know, leaned on for help and by leaned on, I mean, paid money to, um, (laughs) they've been from your podcast, like almost all of them. So Alex Vita, who I love so much, I found out about him from your podcast and he helped me with my website when I kind of changed the SEO from family to newborn. And I started rebuilding that. And every year I rip it apart and like pull a thread and <laughs> like burn down my whole website. I'm actually in the middle of doing that again right now in the busy season, which is not great, but there you have it.
0: Okay. So you, you start building the new portfolio, you work on the website. How do you start bringing clients in?
1: So my main source of clients has always been Google. And I think what helped me grow quickly was that the style of newborn photography I do is different than most of what's out there. So, you know, if you pull up the top Google results for Los Angeles, newborn photographer, I'm not on there. I'm like 11 or 12, but the top results, they're mostly, there's maybe like one, maybe two other people who pop up there who do a little bit more of a natural approach, but most of the people you're going to find are superposed, lots of Color, lots of accessories, baskets, bins, doll beds, you know, whatever. And so I made the focus of my website very explicit to say, I'm doing something different. I'm doing natural newborn photography. I don't use props. I don't use sets. I don't use costumes. So that if somebody was looking for that, like I was when I had my son they immediately were saying, okay, this is the person I was looking for.
0: Got it. Okay. So when you say Google was the main source of these clients, you're not talking about paid Google ads. You're talking about SEO, Mm -hmm. organic traffic.
1: Organic traffic.
0: Right. Okay. And you see your ranking say, at number 10. So that's that second page or is that still the first page?
1: No, I hover. It's really changed. I'm actually working with Alex right now because I had been like 10, 11, and then I started dropping a little. So we were making some tweaks right now to make my website a little more text heavy to try and bump back up. It's really, it is difficult in LA because it's a big market. So those 10 spots are going to get filled by people who have been doing it really successfully for celebrities for 15 years. You know, so it's a little trickier, I think, than if I was in a smaller market to get onto that first page.
0: So I'm still thinking that with the size of the market that you're targeting, which like you said is huge, there'd still be quite a few people, a lot of people that would get down to the 10th spot because they haven't found what they're looking for in the first nine. So you would still be getting quite good traffic.
1: Yeah. So even at the top of page two, which is where I kind of hover, I'm getting most of my leads. I don't have, I don't know how other photographers, like how many leads people get. I don't think I get a lot of leads. I get 15 to 20 a month. And there I actually, I did some statistics for you, Andrew. (laughs) Yes, I could. I did math. I figured it out. So 50% of my leads in 2021 or two, I can't remember what I was looking at, were Google and 20% were Instagram. And then another 20% were direct to email or phone. So I don't know where they found me, probably Google or Instagram.
0: Right. Okay. So still a high percentage is coming from Google and then a little bit of social media.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then so let's just stay with the SEO on the website. So I know that when I, and when the listener, if they go and check out your website, immediately we're greeted with your style of photography, natural newborn photography. There's no props. It's all beautifully lit, beautifully posed. It's lovely natural photography. I can see you've got a bit of copy on your website. Uh, You talk about being natural and emotive with your portraiture. You're doing all the things, you know, the the website looks beautiful and there is some text on there, some copy, and it looks like you're adding more. So what happens, like what's the journey for the client that you see? They go to your homepage, then where do they usually go next?
1: So they're going to come in, you know, because I do maternity, newborn, baby, and family now. When you go to the website, I have the little links for those categories. So the idea, the SEO on the main page is kind of behind the scenes geared to newborn because that's the thing that I want to grow in the most and the thing I like doing the best. So they're going to click on one of those and then they're going to go to a page that has more session information. Don't click on babies or families. It's a little bit under construction. You can go to maternity. I just fixed maternity. you go to that one. Okay. (laughs) And so they're going to do that. And then they're going to contact me. They're usually going to email me. I send an inquiry response, and actually, PhotoBizX Greatest Hits number two. We've got um, what's her name, Sarah Marie Anderson. Yes, who does the emails, yes. which I also found through you. She just helped me redo my inquiry emails, so I have like I have four responses that go out, however many days apart.
0: Okay, so someone will click on in- inquire about pricing and details. They go into a contact form. And you get an email inquiry.
1: hmm And then I send back a detailed response with a session guide and say, you know, if you want a book, we can do it over email or you can schedule a link, you know, a call through Calendly. Right. And I will do it over the phone.
0: Okay. So everything you've described so far, and I want to dive in a little bit more, just sounds like a very traditional way to run a photography business, you know, without all the, the fancy trickery. Like it's just There's no
1: trick there's no <laughs> bots messaging anyone. It's just <laughs> just me. <laughs>
0: Okay. And then, so you reply and when you send that email reply or those replies, one of those replies that you had help with, do you supply a full price list or prices start at?
1: I do a full price list. I tried to put in the session guide, like everything anybody would want to know because... I like to know all the details up front. You know, for me, it's like it's bad enough that my the prices aren't on the the website as a consumer. And the reason I did that was I actually put my prices on because I've been working with Sandra Cohn over the last year a bit. And she's a huge proponent of like put your prices on the website, put your prices on the website. First of all, inquiries drop, which is expected, but also terrifying. So like you have to have nerves of steel. And second for me, because I'm like really in this growth phase of my business and really trying to get data to not have the data of what leads were coming in and what percentage I was booking and what sessions people were inquiring about, that information was valuable to me. And so I didn't want to to cut that out.
0: Right. So you'd rather see a drop off once you send your pricing guide, than have the drop off happen before you get the inquiry in the first place.
1: Yeah, I'd rather go through the trouble because, like I said, I'm not getting hundreds of leads a month. I'm getting 15 to 20 leads a month, you know, 30 if it's a crazy month. So it's worth it for me to kind of just have that data coming in.
0: Got it. And this pricing guide, is this like a a fancy, beautiful PDF or is it just a a straight out email?
1: It is not a PDF. I don't believe in PDF pricing guides. It is a web page. So it's just a hidden page on my website. And I can send it to you if you want it, but it's very detailed with session information, FAQs, touching examples, studio wardrobe information, pricing, product guide. It's like everything.
0: Right. So is that the same page? Did you test that having that live and available on the website or was that something different you tested?
1: It wasn't the same page. It was I can't remember how I had it. I just had the prices on each session page or maybe it was like a starting starting price. I can't quite remember because it was very short lived where I was like, nope, I can't. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so you get an email inquiry, you send them a link to your price guide, your pricing guide page. Then you obviously have their email address, then do you then put them into a sequence or are you starting a, a one-on-one personal conversation with that client trying to initiate that?
1: It's not an automatic sequence. There's no automatic triggers. I use Pixify. So I have it set that their lead status after two days switches over. So like if they book or book a consult, then I switch their lead status to something. If they don't, it's going to tick over to need to follow up, you know, after two, three days, I can't remember what it is. And then I send the second inquiry response. And then that one's like after three or four days, if They haven't responded. I send a third and then there's four total for each session type.
0: Got it. Okay. And then do you need to get a response from any of those or they're going to go out no matter what, whether you hear from the client or not?
1: If I hear from them, they're not going to get them. Right. If I don't hear from them, they're going to keep getting them. And if they don't respond after the fourth one, I track them as never responded and I leave them alone.
0: Okay. Got it. And so with that last email, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the interview with Shannon just recently where she talked about the magic email and she sort of lays down an ultimatum to sort of let the client go in that last email that she sends or she recommends we send. Do you do anything like that? Like something like, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, it looks like your circumstances might have changed or you've decided on another option. I'm going to assume that, you know, you no longer want to hear from me about your baby photos. Do you say something like that?
1: Mine is a little more gentle, I would have to look at it to know but I think it's more like I'm just checking in one last time because you said you were interested in, you know, a session and I know life gets busy, especially when you're expecting a baby and it's like a little nicer because I don't want to be yelling at pregnant ladies. in my emails. Sure. sure. <laughs> so makes sense. For me, it's a little bit of a gentle, gentler approach.
0: Right. So ideally in a good scenario is they respond and then you turn them off. They don't receive any more follow-up emails and you're then you're having a conversation or they're booking a session in Calendly.
1: Yeah. So then I either if they say they would like to book over email, I send them a Pixify questionnaire that's going to have them input all their information and then I send out a booking proposal. If they want to talk on the phone, then we have our phone appointment and I get all the information manually and then I send out the booking proposal.
0: Mm, Got it. Okay, so the maternity session happens or the newborn session. I'm guessing that runs like it would for any other photographer. Are you shooting at home in your home or their home or on site?
1: So the other thing that I did to kind of streamline my process and make things a little less stressful for myself was to change the sessions that I was offering. So for a newborn client, it's one session. So, it, you know, a bigger, longer session. And it's either in my studio or in their home. If it's in their home, there's a markup on it, uh, like an a travel fee. If it's maternity, baby, or family... I have a really beautiful garden nearby. There's like a public garden that not many people know about. Really pretty, cost $100 to shoot there. I offer a garden session that's a little bit of a shorter session with fewer images. And then if they want a custom session, so say they want to go to their favorite hiking trail or they want me to come to their house or they want to go to the beach, then that's going to be a more expensive session with more images. So I basically priced in the hassle factor of saying, "Okay, if you don't want to do this thing that's really easy for me and repeatable and that I don't have to prep for, then you're going to pay you know, twice as much.
0: Got it. So with the garden, it sounds lovely, close to you. I'm guessing the client pays for that, that $100.
1: What I do is a studio session for me is $750 and the garden is $850. And I'm just up front. I say in there, $100 of your session fee goes to sustain this nonprofit garden.
0: Right. Okay. So that $100 fee you pay to the garden, is that something you negotiated or is that a set fee they have for every photographer?
1: That's their set fee. I shoot there a lot. So I still pay the same fee. They give me wiggle room on the timing and stuff. They're not super strict. And it's also a charitable because it's a nonprofit. It's a charitable donation, so I can write it off as well.
0: Nice, excellent, unreal.
1: I think I can. My accountant. <laughs> <is up. laughs>
0: I'm sure you can. I hope
1: the IRS is not listening.
0: Well, it's a, it's a business expense anyway, so it's got to be a tax deduction. Yeah. Okay, so you, you do the session. What happens after the session? Like, what's because it sounds like you're not doing IPS anymore.
1: I'm not doing IPS. So, for example, so say they did a garden maternity session. I'm going to send a follow-up email that night or the next day. Like, it was so great to see you. we got beautiful photographs. And I tell them, you can expect your proofing gallery within a week. And then I go over next steps. So I just say, you know, when you get your proofing gallery, you're going to have five days to look at your photographs. You're going to pick your favorites. You've got 15 that are included. And you can add additional for, um, it's 150 for five or 600 for the full gallery that I've presented. So they have that information and then my husband <laughs> edits the photographs That's
0: so and good. does all the
1: file management. I realize this is not a part that many people could replicate. Um <laughs> in a business, but and then I use pick time. So it's very easy. I send out their gallery and they look through them. They either will select just the you know the 15 included or they'll purchase additional ones. And then I'm going to tweak this and we can talk about it if you want or not. But what I had been doing is when they get their retouched gallery, so they select their photographs. Two weeks later, they're going to get their retouched gallery, which is the images they selected. They're retouched, they're in color and black and white. They can download them. And I do a 20% discount for like a five day period to buy products through me. So again, Photo Bizax for the win. I think <laughs> that was Ali Ciarto's. Nice. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, yeah, Ali Seattle. Yeah, I think that was her interview where she. um, I remember listening to it while I was struggling to frame something myself for ips and like getting dust stuck in it and and i was listening <laughs> to the interview and she was like yeah i just charge what i need to make in the digitals and then if they buy products like that's great it's extra and i was like oh <laughs> that's what i need to do because, so good. because this is not fun so so that's what i do
0: and so what are you going to change that did you say
1: I'm only going to change the timing. So I think what I'm going to do, this is getting really like nitty gritty. Do you want to hear it?
0: Yeah, sure. Go tell me.
1: Okay. So I think what I'm going to do is they're going to get the proofing gallery. And during the proofing gallery, when they select their digitals, that's their opportunity to buy any custom artwork through me. So like an album, you know, a Musea framed print, And then when they get their retouched gallery, they'll have another discount, but it's going to be like a friends and family sale for like loose prints and things like that, that can be auto fulfilled through Mm -hmm. pick time because I'm showing them proofs with a watermark. So I can't do an auto fulfilled product when they're looking at the proofing gallery because what they would be sending to the lab is not finished.
0: Yes. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That so, makes sense. Anyway, so Okay. And so you're using pick time. They see that, they make their purchases. And so it sounds like with the maternity shoots you're doing, they're not a lost leader. You're profiting from those and making a good profit from those sessions. How many of those women are going on to book newborn sessions as well?
1: I haven't calculated that. I would say most of them, maybe 75% are doing the newborn. They usually book them at the same time, though. When I started out doing newborn, I was doing free maternity sessions. And I was like, this is really stupid. Like, (laughs) I don't need to be doing this. Because it was what people did. I heard all these interviews or whatever Facebook groups where they're like, I do it for free. And it's quick and easy. And I was like, you know, it's not that quick. And it's not that easy. So... Then I was charging like a small amount if they booked a newborn session. And now I actually don't offer a discount if you book newborn and maternity. I only offer a discount if you do newborn plus two other sessions. So they would have to do like maternity and a six-month session or Newborn, six months, and one year.
0: That's so good, and you wouldn't even you wouldn't believe that unless you tried it or you'd heard someone else doing it. You'd think you'd have to be going down this road and giving them away or doing them as a lost leader. Yeah, that's fantastic. So that's any session you book is profitable. Yes, which is what you want.
1: <laughs> yes, and that was important to me because you know nothing is just that ninety minutes you're spending in a session or sixty minutes. It's a lot of communication time, and you know I've got two kids and. We live in LA and it's expensive to live here. So I kind of need to charge more money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. And it sounds like too, your sessions aren't free either. You're charging good dollars for your sessions and then you have potentially an additional sale on the back end premium members of Photobiz exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest you've got a great business i love it i love the way you've made it suit you and your lifestyle i love the way your husband's working in there as well you can run your family have a nice life and good profits as well where's the best place for the listener to go and see more of your beautiful work
1: you can go to my Instagram if you want to be my 801st <laughs> follower, you can. It's Ariel Cannon Photo, I think. It is. And then my website is arielcannonphoto.com.
0: Cool. I'm going to link to both of those. I won't link to your Facebook page. Saying it's. A yes.
1: I don't know what's on there. I can't remember. <laughs>
0: There's still photos on there. Okay. <laughs> Newborns. <laughs>
1: it's going to be real outdated soon.
0: Uh, Look well, Again, Ariel, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. So good to have you listening. Let me hit you up with one last question. What would you like to hear on the podcast for an upcoming episode? Where should we go with it? What would help you in your business?
1: I would love to hear more people who are selling products and not doing IPS. I think there's so many ways that you can configure your pricing with a combination of digitals and products. And it's really, really hard to do. In my opinion, if there's someone out there who thinks it's really easy to do, I would really like them to be on your podcast.
0: (laughs) Okay. I don't know anyone personally that's doing that, but if a listener is hearing this and knows someone that's selling product online, let us both know.
1: And newborn photographers, I'd love to hear more newborn photographers. I'm always interested in that. And I think you should ask every guest what their net revenue is, because every time you ask someone and I, I'm like, is that their gross or their net? What if they spend half of that on products? I don't know.
0: Sure. I'm nosy. I, look, I agree. I think revenue or gross income is the, the number that gets strained around there the most. I think- yeah. Fixed costs or cost of doing business can change so much, but in my head, I operate on the idea of they're taking home 50% of whatever that revenue is. Okay. So for you, it's a bit more by the sound of it. You're keeping more.
1: My cost of business, my overhead is very low and that's just by mostly luck. You know, we have a home where we have a bottom floor that wasn't being utilized. So I have like a client sitting room and a studio room and a bathroom down here. So I'm not having to rent a space. My husband is, you know, indentured, (laughs) indentured (laughs) servitude. (laughs) But yeah.
0: But you're dead right. Because I remember when I interviewed Arika Dorff, the the pet photographer, the mobile pet photographer in your country, she had the studio in Las Vegas. She was bringing in, I think it was half a million dollars and she was making almost nothing after paying her outgoings and her staff. Yeah. It was just killing her. Yeah,
1: And I think it's interesting. It's interesting to hear, you know, based on different business models, whether you're IPS, whether you're all digital or a hybrid, or you have a studio, you don't have a studio. I'm a little bit of like a numbers nerd and I'm nosy, like I said. So, you know, for me, it's interesting to hear what those relationships are for each business type between your, your gross and your net income and your, you know, your cost of doing business and your cost of goods and all that.
0: Sure. I agree. I'll have to be more inquisitive and ask more about that. Yeah. I'll do that.
1: Get a little nosier, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I already get told, whoa, 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 what are you doing asking me about my revenue?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can ask them ahead of time if it's okay.
0: (laughs) Ariel, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. It's, you know, you fulfilled a lifelong dream for me, Andrew.
0: That's awesome. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ariel as much as I did. Ariel, if you're listening, again, thank you so much for not only reaching out, in the first place, but also for coming on, for sharing everything you did. Massive congrats on your success. I love the business that you've transformed and built to suit you and your lifestyle. So again, massive congrats and thanks for coming on and sharing. For you, the listener, I do hope there was a ton that you were able to get from Ariel and what she shared. Was there something specific that she did share that you thought, yes, I could apply that to my business and I'm going to? I'd love to hear about that. Let me know in the comments area of this week's show notes, which you'll find at photobizx.com forward slash 483. Now, in those show notes, I've got examples of Ariel's beautiful work. I've got a list of anything and everything that she mentioned in regards to links. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, you'll find the comments area at the very bottom. If you are a premium member, let's chat more about what Ariel had to share inside the members Facebook group. Ariel is already there and a member, so make sure you tag her if you have a follow-up question or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. Just before we close out today's episode, I did send out an email last week to you if you are a premium or a free listener to the podcast asking about things that you want to learn, things that I should be asking, topics I should be covering or guests that I should be inviting onto the show. And the response and feedback has been fantastic. So thank you so much if you did reply. I haven't had a chance to reply to everyone yet that has responded to that email. I'm planning to do that this week. But the insight that you've given me if you did reply was super helpful and it means that I can better tailor the content, the questions, and the interview guests to help you with your business. So again, massive thanks if you did respond to that email. And I promise I'll be following back up with you if you did And also taking what you shared into account and applying it to the podcast for upcoming episodes and interviews and into 2023, which just sounds scary to say. I do have some fantastic guests coming up in the next month or so. There's also the course coming up with Ali Stewart Ross on utilizing competitions to bring in fantastic and new clients to your business. I'm gonna have more about that in next week's episode. And speaking of next week's episode, it is a public holiday here in Australia again next week. So next week's episode will be coming out a day later than usual, which will be my Tuesday. Uh, It could be your Monday, depending on where you are in the world, but it will be a day later than usual next week. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I'm gonna wrap things up here, get this audio out to you and your podcast app. Then I'm off to the gym, some lunch, a little bit more work, a little bit of golf practice with my younger son Jordan, and then off to pick up Linda from the train station on her return from Queensland, where she's been holidaying with my family. <laughs> she went away with my family to Queensland for a few days. I wasn't able to get away this time because of work down here, but it looks like and sounds like she's had a wonderful little break away. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I'll talk to you next week, a day later than usual. Have a fantastic week yourself. Stay safe, healthy and well and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.
1: enjoyed this episode head to photobizx.com join the conversation leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with andrew and today's special guest